I'm sorry that your Mets are not good at baseball. <laughs> They're very bad, but you don't have to tell me on my basketball podcast. <laughs> What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast that's about everything NBA except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I am joined, as always, by my beloved co-host, but now in person because I live in New York City, Eric Silver. Eric, from across the couch, how's it going? We can high-five. Let's high-five, and I'll get caught on the microphones. Ah, so good. It's real. Quality audio. I touched you, for real. Oh, my goodness. So good to see your face and not a black rectangle with a picture of Amanda. And and I'm excited that I can see your face and not a boudoir photo of Charles Barkley that you have as your Skype photo. You know, he just looks so good in that little nighty. (laughs) (laughs) He's the round mound of, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Kenny, do I look good in this one? So You can tell we're in person because... We've broken out the Charles Barkley impression. (laughs) First few minutes, which is a new record for us here at Horse. Uh, So proud of us. So before we get into today's episode of Horse, we actually have a fun little announcement and that our housekeeping section is going to be renamed The Locker Room. Get it? Because you get dressed and stuff before you play (laughs) basketball. (laughs) Just like how we're preparing to get into the podcast. We're stretching. We're pulling on our socks. We're lacing them. Not our socks. We're lacing our shoes. (laughs) No, no, I have socks with laces on the top of them. That's very good. They're very intense socks. That's very good. (laughs) They will not slip. So we're going to warm up. We're going to do our pregame chants. It is going to be great. Pregame peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, which is a thing in the NBA. We're going to have to talk about that at some point. Oh, yeah. There's a whole thing about how Uncrustables are huge. Yeah. (laughs) Which is funny. The two main demographics, 12-year-olds and basketball players. But in the locker room, let's first discuss our newest patrons. So shout out to our newest patrons, Christopher Rossi, Maria Vega, and Holly Ann Heckert. They joined over at patreon.com slash horsehoops, getting access to loads of bonus content. And of course, as always, an enormous shout out to our two producers level patrons teal and samuel minor they never accidentally step on the out of bounds line when dribbling up the court you know this is another first i'm glad that we're changing the name it's funny that this is a locker room because horse has its first sponsor and the name makes sense because it's stitch fix wow clothes clothes we love clothes mike and i have both used stitch fix before i guess mike you and i have different Body types. Yes. You are a tall, lean man. I would say above average height, but I am six foot even, which is fun. That's definitely over average. Yeah. And I am shorter than that, and I have the body composition of two fire hydrants next to each other. Okay, yeah. See, I'm going to say it, so it's going to be about me. <laughs> so I think that you and I can't go to the same stores and get sick, dope fashions. But Agreed. Stitch Fix can bring those fashions to me. You sign up for Stitch Fix. You do this really cool, really personal survey that mm-hmm. talks about the things that you like and you dislike and your sizes and how you want your clothes to feel. And also your style, too. You, you can be as specific as saying, like, I don't like wearing the color purple. It's phenomenal. But purple's amazing. It is good, but it's not for everyone. Exactly. That's <laughs> not everyone wants to be the kings. Stitch Fix becomes your personal stylist. They find clothes that you love based on your survey, and then they send the clothes to you, and they can be clothes, shoes, accessories, and it fits your personal thing, your body, your budget, and your lifestyle. And it's a real human being that puts it together, and you can write that real human being notes, which is great. When I signed up, I specifically wrote, hi, I want shorts, and then they sent me three pairs of shorts in my box. It was perfect. But if you only want three pairs of shorts and you don't want four pairs of shorts, you can just send that extra pair of shorts back. You only pay for the things that you actually want to keep. If you get started now at stitchfix.com slash horse, you'll get an extra 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. Horse is the beautiful clothes horse that is going to bring you to dope looking fly glory. If a horse wore a pair of pants, would it go over all four of the legs or over the part where the horse tail is? Well, you would get both. And then send back the one that doesn't work exactly. well. Yeah, Stitch Fix. Thank you, Stitch Fix. Thank you so much. I know you listen to podcasts out there and everyone is telling you to put in whatever code it is, but when you put in our code, you are like voting for us. You are showing the companies that you listen to our show and you like us and you want us to keep having a relationship with ad companies and we really, really appreciate it. So to rep your love of horse and horses but mostly of us go to stitchfix.com slash horse when you sign up and you'll get that extra 25% off when you keep all five items that is one more time stitchfix.com slash horse 
Cool. Well, they're starting to play the intro music. So let's get out onto the court and do our first segment, which, as we all know, is full court press. Get it? Like the news? I think because we're looking at each other, I do get it. Nice. Yeah. It's the news. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, like the news. That's what they could press mm-hmm. and news are similar. This is all it took was us being in the same room for it to make sense for you. <laughs> The joke was too far away. (laughs) So today's Full Court Press is going to be centered around Jimmy Butler and the Minnesota Timberwolves. And it's very funny because we wanted to discuss this last time for Full Court Press. But since then, in these two weeks, more juicy details have come up, more specifically within the past couple of days. So recap of the whole situation, Jimmy Butler is a shooting guard for the Minnesota Timberwolves that does not enjoy being on the Minnesota Timberwolves. He would like to be traded to any other team besides the Minnesota Timberwolves because they're not going to be good or at least in championship contention within the next couple of years, which was the expectation when he joined, so he wants to get out of there. He also doesn't enjoy some of the players on the team, etc. So he's trying to get traded, but... The coach of the Timberwolves, Tom Thibodeau, does not want to trade Jimmy Butler and purposefully has been asking for ridiculous returns in trades from other teams. An unnamed source from the Miami Heat front office told a reporter that asked him, what are the Timberwolves asking in return for Jimmy Butler? And he said, each of our firstborn child. Good. That's (laughs) professional. Oh, because they talk to the press, Mm -hmm. which is also the news. Exactly. I got it. (laughs) So the season's about to start. Preseason is going on. There are practices happening. And Jimmy Butler, within the past couple days, finally returned to practice. And uh, it wasn't all unicorns and rainbows. No. It was more heated and contentious. Good. That's <laughs> that's what I expect when my terrible, bedraggled coworker, who's better than all of us, mm-hmm. comes back and then lights everything on fire. That's the weird element of it, is that you've got this person who is disgruntled and actively doesn't want to be there, but he is still your best player. And your best contributor. Then this was proven because at the practice that Jimmy Butler returned to, he apparently teamed up with all of the scrubs from the team, like the end of the bench guys, third string dudes, and beat the rest of the starters in a practice scrimmage. Right. Yeah, because that's what you want to do. Instead of like running fundamentals and trying to catch up our best player on how the team is going to come together, let's just play a game where everything is uh, extremely volatile and just see what happens. You know, competition is really what brings people together so apparently at the end of this practice jimmy butler turned to the general manager and said you fucking need me you can't win without me and left the building in the ultimate mic drop and then everyone stood up and clapped because it was extremely good (laughs) and the roof exploded and all the bleachers collapsed (laughs) i saw this on twitter afterwards zach lowe was tweeting like this is going to become a mythical practice everyone's going to say they were there it's like yo I was sitting there, and Jimmy Butler just punched this old man in the face (laughs) on the way out. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I saw Jimmy Butler. He had ten arms. Yeah, he took the fire extinguisher and then punted it, and it exploded and sprayed across the gym. Yo, it was so crazy. Jimmy Butler, it was just him, one guy who walked in off the street, the janitor, and two pennies. That's it. When he left the gym and he was on his way to his car, he saw a smart car, and he just flipped it over. (laughs) And then he said two points and walked out. He got a post-game meal. He went to Buffalo Wild Wings. He ate the spiciest wings and he didn't have a glass of water. (laughs) He looked at all the waiters and said, y'all fucking need me. I'm the best eater of wings in this entire restaurant. And then instead of using a napkin, he used his waiter's hair. Terrible. (laughs) So back to what really happened. (laughs) Wait, that didn't actually happen. No, it didn't actually happen. Oh, man. I'm sorry. (laughs) That ruins all my notes for that actually happened. (laughs) We were riffing. That's what happened. It's funny because Jimmy Butler happened to have an interview lined up the next day with ESPN's Rachel Nichols. I love that NBA players love Rachel Nichols. It makes me so happy. Oh, she's amazing. She is very good at her job. The Jump is a phenomenal program. Honestly, the only thing on ESPN that I will watch. NBA players do not have the best relationship with the media because reporters will take things out of context and try to make people look bad and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. But it seems like NBA players love two media members in particular, Doris Burke and Rachel Nichols. And I just love 
that in this weird, like, misogynistic times that we're living in, that the NBA players, too many people that they like, are ladies. It makes yeah. me very happy. Because they're both very good at their job. Two quick things about this. One, this is only a few years after Cam Newton tried to throw a woman out of the locker room Ugh. by being surprised that she knew what routes were. So, dumb. so I mean, this is, it's not even like we're in this golden age where this doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I was going to say the only good stuff that's on ESPN is Rachel Nichols, mm-hmm. is Doris Burke, and then Katie Nolan is yeah. also the other person who actually has a sense of humor about what's happening at ESPN and just in sports in It's general. almost like women can be good at sports too. It might be better in the 21st century media landscape. That's so weird. Crazy. Also, so Sue Burge, so good at basketball. Also, Sue Burge, so good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Fucking love Sue Burge. Unrelated, but Sue Burge great. <sighs> right after he had this mythical practice, Jimmy Butler had an interview lined up with Rachel Nichols, and she's like, uh, so I was looking at tweets. <laughs> What's happening, dog? Jimmy Butler was just, he's honest. I mean, he doesn't have to deal with anything mm-hmm. anymore, so he just wants to talk about what happened. So Rachel Nichols asked him if the situation could be fixed, and Butler said, it could be, but do I think so? No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I love the honesty. It's like, yeah, I could do this, but I don't want to. It's not my responsibility. It's someone else. You see what I punted that smart car, though? (laughs) No, he flipped the smart car. He punted the fire extinguisher. Right. Uh, Jimmy Butler also said him being honest again. Everyone has to have winning as their number one priority. Everyone should feel that winning is all that we're worried about. But for some reason, not everyone is on the same page there. The other thing NBA players don't do, they don't call out their teammates. They keep very, everything very vague. The team can do better. We all can do better. But Jimmy Butler is going to go in. Jimmy Butler, name names. He said, who's the most talented player on our team? Cat. Who's the most God-gifted player on our team? Wiggs. Andrew Wiggins. Wiggs got the longest arms, the biggest hands, can jump the highest, can run the fastest. But who plays the hardest? Me. I play the hardest. I play really hard. I put my body on the line every damn practice, every day in the games. That's my passion. That's how I give it to the game. That's how I give it to you guys. So, yeah, let's name names. NBA season starting. Let's start naming. (laughs) That should be the subtitle (laughs) of this season. NBA season 2018-2019. Let's name names Mm, i dig it i love this i love this so much because jimmy butler is clearly frustrated and jimmy butler wants to leave the team and he wants to be on another team and they couldn't get a trade happen so he's just going into full-on screw all y'all mode and it's very fun to watch for the rest of us because the nba preseason is very boring and not exciting and you know what is very exciting this is extremely good (laughs) this is so much fun so thank you and shout out to jimmy butler for brightening the NBA preseason and giving us a whole bunch of material to talk about in full court press. Uh, You know, I want to do one last thing. So this episode is going to come out right before the NBA season starts. Yes. Now, based on absolutely no numbers (laughs) and no actual research, Mike, who's going to be good this season? Jimmy Butler. Him personally on inside is going to be good. Mm-hmm. I think the Celtics are going to be good. Yeah, they will. Because I love them and they're my favorite team. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason why. I mean, they also have a very good roster. Yeah, and Gordon Hayward is back. And Gordon Hayward looks like, you know, in all those movies where someone defeats racism, mm-hmm. Gordon Hayward looks like the guy who defeats racism. Yeah, I like it because Gordon Hayward and I have very similar hair. So uh, <laughs> true. I can dig it. I used to, when I was first transitioning into getting my hair from my old haircut into my new one, I used to go to barbers with a picture of gordon hayward and i was 100 percent honest i had it saved in my favorite section on my phone so that i could quickly pull it up and be like can you give me this man's hair <laughs> it was very about, effective i'm thinking about you having a photo of gordon hayward just saved in your phone and not just saved in my phone in the favorites like right section in the, front. the favorites like oh man <laughs> i had such a great vacation with kelly this is us on a hike. This is us petting some dogs. Yeah, here's my man Gordon Hayward. Mm-hmm, my guy. Um, not on the vacation, but also he's just saved in my favorites. He's mm-hmm. my man. He's my guy. So I think, I think the Celtics are going to win it all because you had Gordon Hayward saved in your phone. Oh, they won't beat the Warriors, but I do think they will get to the finals this year. Mm. What is the craziest thing that you think is going to happen this season? Like, let's Mad Libs a story together because when J.R. Smith threw soup and it has to start with J.R. Smith because (laughs) LeBron's not on his team he is unhinged okay so let's start with J.R. Smith Mm-hmm. I wish we had like a big wheel to spin. What did he do to another person? Um, he's going to pants someone. <laughs> is it during a game? Of course it is. Okay, cool. So he's going to pants someone during a game. And then mm-hmm. what's the reaction? They are going to struggle to get their pants back up. 
and then try to do the fake fight hold me back thing to Jared Smith. But they're going to look quite silly. Okay. I like it. Let's lock it in. Let's put it in the vault. <laughs> we'll like seal the are, envelope. These are our picks. I want, I want, in the middle of the season, I'm going to put sound effects where we're going to go back. Okay. Do it back to me. I want to, I want to do this. This is fun. All right. Yeah. Give me one. What do you got? I think that something needs to happen with the Lakers. So oh, I'm going to say that I think it's travel related because travel's the worst. Mm-hmm. So I think like the Lakers as a team, like their plane got grounded while they were going cross country. Okay. So they landed like in, can I just say the Midwest? I don't want to lock myself into a state. Speaking from experience, if you pick a state, someone will get mad at you on Twitter. That's true. <laughs> in Nebraska, Tucky, someone in the, somewhere in that area. Now you're going to have people from two states mad at you. There we go. So I think that the Lakers plane is going to get grounded somewhere in the Midwest. And then while everyone is very crabby, someone is going to ask Lonzo Ball for an autograph and he's going to say no. And it's going to be a big deal. I am very surprised that you told an entire crazy story about the Los Angeles Lakers and no part of it directly involved Lance Stevenson, <laughs> yeah. JaVale McGee, or Rajon Rondo. I'm just saying that I, it's a hard <laughs> pivot. Like, they're all old. They're just sitting there. So I think that Lonzo's going to say no, but then JaVale McGee makes a very big deal about how no one asked him for an autograph, and he's going to make a scene near a Cinnabon. Okay. Nice. How's that? So now it's crazy specific. <laughs> See near a Cinnabon locked in. Put it in the vault. <laughs> oh, man. I like it. I like it. So with this done, I think that covers Full Court Press. Mike Schubert, come into my history bandwagon to step on in. Is it a bandwagon for history? Like people who are only rooting for history now that it's good? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Let's become fans of history with that actually happened. <laughs> that actually happened. Mike, did you know that the single game record for most points scored in one game is 100 points? Yes. You did know that. Yeah, that's a very well-known statistic. It is a very well-known statistic. Now, Mike, tell me everything you know about this. Will Chamberlain scored 100 points against my beloved New York Knicks, most of which were done from the foul line because this is the one season he decided to shoot free throws underhand rather than overhand, which he then stopped doing out of fear of not looking cool. And then I also believe towards the end of the game, his team was fouling the Knicks on purpose so that they could just get the ball back and then feed it to him so that he could get to 100. I'm going to cut this because you know more than I thought you did. I know everything about it. What were you going to talk about? There is so much more to talk about about this thing. More than what I said? Oh, yeah, so much more. Okay, well, don't cut it. I want people to know how smart I am. I host a basketball podcast. Well, there's actually a lot about Will Chamberlain's 100-point game that people don't know. Actually, for a while, people didn't even think that it existed because it was so strange. Do you know where this game was played? Um, I'm going to guess Minneapolis. It was not Minneapolis. It was also not New York, and it was in Philadelphia. Oh, right. He was on Philly at the time. It was in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Was it in Hershey Park? It was at Hershey Park, yeah. It was on one of the rides? Tight. No, it was not on one of the rides. Oh, damn. Everything smelled like chocolate. Like actively? <laughs> actively, everything smelled like chocolate. But like not good chocolate. There's like a wafting, terrible like aura of chocolate everywhere. Mm-hmm. One of the Warriors players called the arena a godforsaken place. The town of Hershey was built around a huge chocolate factory. Everything there became permeated with a smell of chocolate. It was practically impossible to stay indoors. People felt sick. Now, why in a million years would they have to play a game in Hershey Park when they have two of the biggest cities just miles away? I want to guess uh, moisture issues with the court, just because I know Philadelphia has had that happen to them before. That is not it. Duh. Sorry. It's because the NBA wasn't actually that popular. This was only in the 16th season of the NBA. Yeah, I do know this game wasn't televised. It was not, because no one really cared about it. So, the NBA players could do random stuff like this. Will Chamberlain spent the night before in New York City partying all night with a female companion and dropping her off at her house at 6 in the morning. With no sleep and suffering from a hangover, he boarded the train to Philadelphia, and then he met up with several friends and teammates in Philly to take the long train ride to Hershey Park. They almost missed the team bus. Jeez. All of the players were also super bored. Another Warriors player said, The biggest thrill in my life was to see that game, but nothing was exciting about the Knicks playing the Warriors in Hershey. The chocolate was more exciting. Ooh, I mean, I do love a good dark chocolate bar. And I do not think, as you might know, Hershey does not make good chocolate. 
Uh, I mean, Reese's is Hershey's, right? I'm a big old Reese's Pieces guy. I don't think so. I don't know. Uh, I'm almost positive they do. Reese's Pieces Hershey? Yep. Reese's Pieces are a peanut butter candy manufactured by the Hershey Company. Bam, 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 point four, ya yeah, boy. That's good. But there's bug legs in that stuff, so I... Dog, there's bug legs in everything. Get that protein. <laughs> I eat so much peanut butter, I eat so many flies. It's fine. Though there's bug legs in chocolate. Like, good, the FDA good. allows there to be a certain number of pieces of bugs in your chocolate. Oh, yeah. Same thing with peanut butter. I mean, when you've got, like, a goopy substance and you have, like, flies and stuff inside your factory, like, they're going to get stuck. It's chill. Protein, baby. You take the strongest stances on the weirdest shit. Dude, I've, I've eaten crickets before. It's fine. You can get crickets at a Seattle Mariners baseball game. You can order crickets. I think it's foolish because they're way overpriced, but you can order them. Okay. If they were cheaper, I'd get them. <laughs> there you go. Okay, let me set the scene. On a cold and rainy Friday night, only 4,124 spectators came to see the NBA game. Oh, that's so sad. 4,000? No. The only reason why they came is because they wanted to see NFL players play basketball, which happened to be the game before the NBA game. Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched people that don't play basketball play basketball. It is awful to watch. I think basketball is the number one sport where if you don't know how to play, you look awful and you can't fake it. And I'm sorry for people that are trying to play. I never want to discourage anyone from playing. If you're at the YMCA and you just want to get reps in, cool, that's fine. Like, you're doing your best. Whereas I think in some other sports, you can kind of fake it a little bit better in soccer and some other stuff. But basketball, man, because dribbling is an unnatural motion. Shooting is an unnatural motion. There's no other thing in your normal life where you put something above your head and then throw it to something that's 10 feet in the air. It's just bad. <laughs> it looks real bad. So I can't imagine that watching these giant, large, lumbering football players play basketball had to be entertaining. Listen, I don't know how you put your groceries away, but I always do proper form. <laughs> Kobe! I throw the kick into my cupboards. And the box opens and you have kicks everywhere. Listen, good day for me. Mmm, floor kicks. Gotta have my kicks spread across my apartment. Delicious, I love it. So, like Mike said before, this game was not televised. Nobody thought that it was even a big deal, but there were only a few members of the press there, especially no press members from New York. Now, this was the New York Knicks. They should probably be covering it. They were too busy kicking in Florida, covering the New York Yankees and the new expansion team, the New York Mets. Mmm, <laughs> Hershey, Pennsylvania? Florida? Oh, ooh, which one do, oh, which one do I want to go to? Oh, ooh. <laughs> so now we're back at Hershey, Pennsylvania. Everything smells like chocolate. Uh, <laughs> Will Chamberlain is shaking off a hangover, but he still thinks that he's going to do pretty okay. The reason why is that the starting center for the New York Knicks also has a terrible hangover. Oh, no. What year was this? What year did this take place? This was in 1962. Oh, I don't even think I would know who that starting center is. That's too old. His name was Phil Jordan. Uh, the dad of Michael Jordan. <laughs> Yes, you nailed it. The official story was that he was suffering from the flu, but his teammates knew better that he was uh, definitely hungover. Spot was taken by Daryl Imhoff, and Daryl has way too many R's, A's, and L's in it. Daryl Imhoff. Is his last name Imhoff or is his middle initial M? No, it's Im Imhoff was oh, his whole wow. last name. That's a mouthful. There's lots of double letters in there. Just rolls off the tongue real nice. Daryl Imhoff. <laughs> Do you want to know the guy who started below Daryl Imhoff? Uh, Dick Vital. <laughs> no, his name was Cleveland Buckner. Oh, no. Which is a terrible name for a person. He was uh, a rookie out of Jackson State, and that's why Will Chamberlain did the dunk of funk all over him. Mm -hmm. Now, how would you get to 100 points if you had to? What would, it, what would be the easiest way to get to 100 points? All three-pointer everything. It Corner threes. Timeline threes, three-pointer, everything. Exactly. You could do that within 33 shots, and if you made every single, well, 34 shots. If you made every single one. <laughs> but it's still possible. If you are Steph Curry mixed with Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, that's like, the, that is the lowest ceiling. So here is Wilt Chamberlain's stat line. He took 63 shots from the field. 63. That would be a lot, 
but scoring 100 points only on 63 shots is incredible. Well, 63 shots, and then he took 32 free throws. That's the big thing. That's the crazy thing. That's where it is. Will Chamberlain was a notoriously terrible free throw shooter, so the Knicks mm-hmm. figured that the only way to keep him from actually making 100 points was just fouling him over and over and over again. But they didn't realize that this was the underhand shoot season where he actually was good. Yeah, and he hit 28 for 32. Mm-hmm. 81% from the free throw line. That is insane. There's a very good episode of Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell about this. It's one of my favorite podcast episodes of anything ever, but he does a deep dive into Will Chamberlain doing this underhand thing for the game and then not doing it two seasons later because he thought he looked dumb because he was so concerned with how people perceived him. And then on the flip side, you have Rick Barry, whose biggest claim to fame aside from being an NBA champion, is that he shot his free throws underhanded and shot very well, but he was a huge dick because he didn't give a shit about what anybody thought of him. In that episode, Malcolm Gladwell says that if Wilt Chamberlain shot his career average before doing the underhand thing, I think he was a career like 43% free throw shooter or something really bad. If he shot that percentage with the same amount, he never would have got to 100 points. And sure, if he got to like 80-something, we'd be impressed. But there's something about hitting 100 that is just way more impressive and honestly might never happen again, ever. It's not going to happen again. Only way it would happen again, and The Ringer did a very good article about this, if just Clay Thompson has a Clay Thompson game for four consecutive quarters. Yeah, but even then, they wouldn't be able to get the ball in his hands enough. Yes. All of the Warriors would have to pass the ball to Clay and he would have to take each shot because mm-hmm. obviously he's not Jesus. So he wouldn't. Make I don't know. Everyone. I like Clay. <laughs> the people who make this many points are people who are dominant with the ball, who need the ball to function and to do anything. So we have Will Chamberlain with 100. We have Kobe Bryant with 81. Elgin Baylor, who was an extremely popular player in the 1970s. He made like 70 points and Michael Jordan scored 69. Nice. Nice. It's a sex number, but also Michael Jordan. It's weird how they didn't reference that in Space Jam, how Michael Jordan didn't say 69, and then all the Looney Tunes went, nice. Yeah, it was a kid's movie. Yeah, but they probably should have done it anyway. Just, like, made a point. My career high is 69, and then Daffy Duck would have went, mm, nice. That, that was an interesting Daffy Duck impression. I did my best. <laughs> um, Will Chamberlain was the superstar of the entire league. I mean, remember, the NBA wasn't actually that popular, so he was the beacon to actually get people to be excited about everything that was happening. When Wilt Chamberlain started getting closer and closer and closer to 100 points, his teammates just kept feeding him the ball. Wilt Chamberlain even admits this in his autobiography called Wilt. What a shitty title. Listen, he's a, he's a humble dude. Super weird, but very Wait. humble. I hope you're kidding. About his basketball skills. Okay, this is the guy who notoriously says and will defend that he has had sex with 100,000 women. I checked that. It's 20,000 women. And also, probably happened. I've seen some articles that did the math. He would have to have sex with like 10 people a day. Every day. I don't know, man. I could see him having sex with 10 people sometimes, but every day for the whole time, that's a lot. I, it's, it, that number must have been up there. I mean, he, he was. He probably he was like, did a lot, but 20,000 is impossible. I don't know. I don't think he actually counted. He, But he acts like he did, which is the weird thing. He, he creates his mythology, I guess, about him being a player, a sexual player, but not as a basketball <laughs> player. Okay. Anyway, in his autobiography with with the worst name ever, Wilt. With a blurb on the back that says, wow, what a shitty title. Michael Schubert, basketball I'm really excited to make my autobiography, Mike. (laughs) According to the big man himself, uh, my teammates wanted me to do it. They started feeding me the ball even when they were wide open. He continues, I really think I shot too often in that 100-point game, especially in the fourth quarter when everyone was egging me on towards 100. He just, I don't know, like maybe he didn't care about the record, but everyone else did. That is a a humble approach to it, and it's very different than Kobe Bryant's approach to scoring 81, is that Jalen Rose was defending Kobe Bryant, and Jalen Rose intentionally tried to injure Kobe Bryant by sticking his leg under where he was landing from a jump shot earlier in his career. So Kobe Bryant's whole thing was, screw this dude, I'm going to score a million points on him, and then he did. Yeah, Kobe Bryant shot 28 from 46 from the field that uh, during his 81-point that's still his really game. good. It's extremely good, but he took 17 fewer shots than Chamberlain did. Wow. I mean, he probably made a lot more three-pointers. And didn't take nearly as many foul shots. 
Right. As we said before, the game was not televised, so no one really knew if it happened for a while. Basketball Reference eventually got their hands on a box score, and I'm going to put a photo of this on the website, Mm -hmm. but it just looks like an ordinary box score. There's nothing really that jumps out. Except for 100 points. It, well, it looks ordinary. It's like people just kind of do it. And then out of nowhere, there's just the the number 100. And you're yeah. like, why? Why is that there? That doesn't make any sense. Did someone on the team have a stupid high amount of assists? Like, was there one guy that happened to keep passing at the ball or did it get evenly distributed enough where it looked normal? It was evenly distributed. OK, it would have been really funny if there was one guy, the point guard. Oh, yeah. Also, Jim Johnson had 62 assists. <laughs> Yeah, but what if he had 69 assists? Nice. Nice. I tried to do some research on conspiracy theorists who think that the 100-point game didn't exist. But I think at this point, so many people just wanted the legend to be true. That, like, anyone who's really conspiracy theory against it just kind of faded away. Eventually, they found all of this evidence. You have the box score. And then, in the 80s, they found the radio program that was oh, broadcasting nice. from Hershey, Pennsylvania. University student Jim Trellis, who had fallen asleep listening to the game, awoke to the news that the station would be replaying part of the game in the early morning. Trellis then decided to record the broadcast. Nice. In 1990, Trellis learned that Hershey Community Archives did not have a copy of the broadcast. It was all just Reese's Pieces in there. They weren't really paying attention. (laughs) Sounds like a great place. Fortunately, Trellis still had a copy and donated it to the HCA. Donated it? What a crazy person. He could have made millions. Well, and then they got all their chocolate hands on it, and then they gave a copy to the NBA. Oh, my God. He could have sold that to the NBA for so much money. So much money. Someone might have made uh, a bunch of money on that because in 1988, the NBA acquired a copy of the fourth quarter of the game from Warriors fan Samuel B. Marcus, who had recorded the Warriors possessions on a dictaphone. I don't know what a dictaphone is. It's just like an old school recording device. It's a phone that you have to dictate everything to. It's a phone that you, when you used to write letters, you'd have to tell the phone, like, call Marietta and say that I love her. And then the phone would be like, "Mm, Marietta, John loves you. (laughs) Dictaphone. Yeah, you're right. That's how it works. That's how Mm -hmm. it is. Recently, the NBA donated that tape to the Library of Congress. I thought this was extremely funny because I also have a list of the other things that got submitted to the Library of Congress during, like, that pass-through. Mm-hmm. There's the Marshall Plan speech uh, from George C. Marshall, which is an important political moment. And then you have Billy Joel's 1973 single, Piano Man. Wow. Just a very good group. It's Will Chamberlain and Billy Joel. And Billy Joel is my entire heart, but that makes absolutely no sense, Piano Man. Yeah, it's interesting. Very interesting. It's crazy that the 100-point game is stuck in everyone's mind. It is this really strange aberration that happened in like the early days of the NBA that happened in a chocolate park. It really started to bring the NBA into the forefront. At this point in the 1960s, there were still a lot of racial issues that needed to be hashed out. There were uh, quotas about the number of black players that could be on teams. Black players were still getting absolutely disrespected and just not treated So Mm -hmm. the fact that Will Chamberlain scored 100 points, which has never been broken in the history of the game, it was a watershed moment. Oscar Robertson, a Hall of Famer, believes that the NBA would have lost its television contract, which was super small at the time, and wouldn't have even survived black superstars coming into the league without Will Chamberlain doing this incredible feat. People heard about Wilt scoring 100, he said, averaging 50 a night, and they wanted to see the guy do it. I believe Wilt Chamberlain single-handedly saved the league. This demonstrates how important the 100-point game is and the fact that every single person knows that Will Chamberlain scored this. They know two things about Will Chamberlain. They know he scored 100 points, and they can probably envision that picture of him holding up the 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 piece piece of paper paper. that says 100. And they know that Will Chamberlain had sex with a bunch of ladies. 20,000. 20,000. But that is indelible, and you can't shake it. Even if you know it, I can't believe that actually happened. Yeah, well, that actually happened. Wow, that actually happened. Cool. Well, it's fun that you mentioned lots of different things with broadcasting because the three-on-three that I'm about to do is the three best and the three worst catchphrases of NBA broadcasters. One, two, three. Three, two, one. Three-on-three. 
Yes, I'm so excited. Wait, before you start, before you start, can I guess? I really hope that this is on there. Okay. But I don't know if it is. Uh, Do you remember that YouTube yes, video? Yes, yes, yes. We'll start with the three bad ones. Third worst NBA call of all time is, and boom goes the dynamite. Yes, I was just going to say that. Uh, boom. I say that now. I say that all the time. It was weird putting this in the worst because it's one of the greatest, but objectively, it is from probably the worst bit of sports broadcasting that has ever taken place in a recorded record. This took place in 2005. It was done by Ball State University freshman Brian Collins. And this is uh, awful. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian, so much. I hope he's doing well. But he was there in the place of the regular sportscaster because the person who normally does it was ill. So this kid is a freshman. He's doing a job that he has not done before. And what happened with me to go so awry is that the teleprompter was accidentally fast forwarded through the script, leaving Collins with the, just nothing. So he had to just <laughs> ad lib pretty much everything, which is just so bad. And, and there's a YouTube video, which we will put on horsehoops.com. But the most famous quote came from a highlight of the Indiana Pacers and the New Jersey Nets. He's just like stumbling through and not getting people's names right. And he's falling behind and all this other stuff. But then he finally ends it with a three-pointer that shooting guard Fred Jones hits by going, and boom goes the dynamite. And that is forever <laughs> cemented as a very famous and very funny quote. ESPN has even paid homage to it with the Scott Van Pelt segment. And I hope Brian is doing great. It's cringy to watch but it's also phenomenal at the same time. I want to invoke one of our rules of horse that we're oh, talking about okay, someone good. who is college age. And I feel like we need to get that. We should sure. share an embarrassing college story yes. to get on Brian. Yeah. Family. Yeah. Because we've all done awful things. I can say a good embarrassing one. So when I was a freshman in college, I was in a dorm situation where it was two doubles and then a double bathroom, and then two more doubles all connected in one big suite. So effectively, there were eight people in our big suite. When we started during the first week, it's orientation week, and they put you into smaller groups, so pretty much no one in your dorm is in one of your orientation week groups. Because of that, for the first week, you honestly see your orientation week group more than you do your roommates. And on the doors in college, each group would put your picture on there with whatever group you're in and a design, blah, blah, blah. So there was someone I knew across the bathroom who was named Omar, and they had this picture up, and I had not seen the picture of this kid at all. We were going through all this stuff, blah, 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 and it's like the, the end of the first week, and I still haven't seen this Omar that is supposed to be across the bathroom, but I see this guy across the bathroom who looks like this other guy at my dorm named Vishnu. And objectively, I will say, Omar and Vishnu look very similar at first glance. When you get to know a little bit better, they look different, much like with twins. Unfortunately for me, uh, we were across the bathroom, and I called Omar Vishnu because I legit thought it was Vishnu and then someone's like oh come on dude that's Omar and be like what are you talking about and then I grabbed the picture from outside the door like this is Omar and then Omar had to say oh uh it's actually not a picture of me they got the wrong picture from someone on Facebook to make the promotional thing but it's all good happy ending Omar and I were roommates my senior year and we're good friends <laughs> but I looked dumb and potentially racist for a very awkward 30 seconds thank you Mike I appreciate you sharing that and Brian don't worry you're fine yeah, it gets better. The other great thing, which I will announce here because I am pretty confident that Omar does not listen to this podcast. I saved that picture and I still have it to this day in my closet. And whenever Omar gets married, I'm going to give that to him as his wedding present. And I'm very excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. And Omar should absolutely start listening to horse. He should. He really should. So that was the third worst, but it wasn't really the worst. So let's get into two that I actually dislike. So the second worst NBA catchphrase from an announcer is from Mark Jackson, who says a lot of different catchphrasey things that are not very fun or coherent. And the worst of which is his favorite for some reason, which is mama. There goes that man, which he he's like the king of if you're ever watching a basketball game before they cut to commercial break, they'll show a very slow-mo replay of something awesome happening. And he always says this after it shows a player doing something good. And I just don't understand the context of saying, mama, there goes that man. I don't think it particularly sounds cool. It doesn't really make sense in context. He says it all the time. I don't get it. I just, uh. It's it. I, I don't know if you hate this as much as I do, but I despise this thing. All right, I found this on Reddit. Do you just want to hear the TLDR? Yes. Uh, I also had this page open for my research that Jackson's free. <laughs> no, go ahead. 
<laughs> Jackson's phrase is an old American joke about children not recognizing their father that became so widely popular it crossed the Atlantic and was used derisively about Hitler prior to World War II. This doesn't make it look not good. better. Not good. What, why not, does he say bad. this? It's bad. You shouldn't reference anything that's older than Cab Calloway uh, if you're announcing. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Apparently, Steve Harvey popularized it when he would do stand-up around the time, which makes sense given Mark Jackson's age. But I don't know. I just thought it was a dumb catchphrase that didn't sound cool. But now somebody's got to tell Mark Jackson to stop saying this. Ugh, ew, yeah, ew, eh, 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 eh. Gross, gross, gross. It's funny that you mentioned Cab Calloway because there was already a song called That Man Is Here Again by Cab Calloway. And that's what, like, the common reference of it was to in a, in a film called The Thin Man in 1934. I don't know. As you're saying anything pre-1940, <laughs> like, let's not use catchphrases from back then because it's just like, not Update smart. a little bit. So shout out to Reddit user A. David Johnson who gave this full explanation, which sparked the research section for it. We'll put a link to it at horsehoops.com. Mark Jackson also was a horrible coach and did weird things while he was a coach of the Golden State Warriors where he would lie to teammates that their teammates hated them and he would mm -hmm. get weirdly religious and not okay with people that weren't Christian. He's a very strange man and I just think he's a bad announcer just objectively, but he's also a bad person. It makes me very happy that the Warriors are very successful because they didn't become the amazing team that they are until he left and I think that that's just kind of funny. Didn't they want to trade Steph Curry at one point? It, uh, they wanted to do a whole lot of different things. He wanted to make lots of mistakes. Anyway, Mama, there goes that man. Sounds dumb. But let's get on to the worst of all time, which is from my least favorite broadcaster of all time, who you know has to be bad if I've talked this much smack about Mark Jackson. It comes from Reggie Miller, who has the catchphrase, this is your Kodak moment which maybe would have been cool in 2002, maybe, but Kodak has been bankrupt forever, and I don't think that, do they still make anything anymore? You're asking the wrong person. I live in 2018. Oh, no, so they do exist. You want to know what Kodak's stock price is for per share? $2.80. $2.80 for a share of Kodak. That's absurd. I think if this your list so far shows anything is that like everything that we have to deal with, it's just like old dudes doing things that they've thought was funny for the last 20 years. And they should give people like Brian a shot to bring yeah. in Boom Goes the Dynamite. Reggie Miller has this thing where he says, that's your Kodak moment, which I don't know why he did it. That You know, back in the day, it was this thing where Kodak moment would be, you know, you take the picture to, to cherish the moment. That's the whole point of a picture. That's how a picture works. Very astute of you, Kodak the company we're millennials so we're explaining how film cameras work <laughs> but he says this all the time and it's just so dated and not in the weird mark jackson way where people aren't sure but it's very apparent every time he says it that nobody has kodak cameras anymore nobody gets film developed anymore people just take pictures on their phones i don't know he says it all the time reggie miller also he's one of the worst broadcasters he's always out there trying to prove that he was better at basketball than everyone, which he was very good at basketball. But it seems like he isn't just trying to step aside and just broadcast the game. It's very much like a back in my day vibe, which makes sense given that his catchphrase is about Kodak cameras. The fact that Reggie Miller gets to do playoff games and Doris Burke doesn't is a crime. It's an absolute crime. Yeah. So that that's what kind of makes me mad is that it seems like this guy is in a position of of privilege and power just because he was very good at basketball in the 90s, which he was. But I think there are so many other better announcers out there. And it makes me sad that he gets to do some of the most important games of the year when I don't think he's that great. And it just doesn't look like he tries that much. Like, it doesn't look like he puts in so much effort. And I'm sorry if you do, Reggie, but I think there's other people that show more clearly that they've done their homework and prepped for the game a ton and not just say like these weird general overarching statements. I'd rather have Cheryl Miller, sister of Reggie Miller, be an announcer than him. <laughs> Let's go on to the three good ones. The third best catchphrase is actually... It's all boom goes the dynamite? <laughs> so weird. The third best catchphrase is actually just a collection of catchphrases. I'm just calling this when Clyde Frazier rhymes a word with another word. 
So I am very spoiled in that the two New York Knicks broadcasters are both very good. And it's not like I'm just saying this from a biased standpoint around. I mean, you are. I I am. But I think that I've seen people from other fan bases and on Reddit and Twitter and all this other stuff. The Knicks just have a great two man team with Clyde and Mike Breen because they're both very different and they play off each other really well. They know each other really well. They're funny with each other. They're very objective, which is rare. You get a lot of these very Homer type teams where they're arguing foul calls and all kind of stuff like that. Clyde and Mike are not afraid to shit talk the Knicks. And when the Knicks are bad, they talk about how bad the Knicks are and they don't pull any punches. <laughs> anyway, Clyde Frazier, who we've talked about on the show before, he was a point guard for the Knicks in the 70s. He's a two time NBA champion. He's one of the coolest guys in general, like his style on the court when he played was amazing and off the court back in his playing days was cool and currently if you've ever seen Clyde Frazier wear a suit to broadcasting he has the most phenomenal suits he has a suit that is cow pattern material like it's it's like suede and has like cow blotches on it he's got ones that are vibrant fuchsia he's got like all leather suits the dude goes all out he's got cheetah print and leopard print suits zebra print suits he's incredible He's your style icon. Really, he is. But in addition to being this cool with his dress, he is this cool with his words. He finds a way to find words that are basketball relevant and describe what is happening, but they rhyme. And it's not like he rhymes it like a couplet. It's always word and word where the two words rhyme. So let me just list off some Clydeisms for you because they're all phenomenal. So we've got bounding and astounding, dancing and prancing, dishing and swishing, huffing and stuffing, hustling and bustling, moving and grooving, out muscling and out hustling, postin' and toastin', which is the name of his wine restaurant, <laughs> shaking and baking, slicing and dicing, spinning and winning, stumbling and bumbling, styling and profiling, swooping and hooping, and wheeling and dealing. These are all things that he will just work into normal broadcasting conversations, and it's great. He acts like these are normal things that human beings say, like he acts like they're technical terms and it's phenomenal. So like rather than say something like, oh, Frank Nilakina drove and did a nice kickout pass, you say, ooh, Frank Nilakina slicing and dicing through the lane there, hitting Porzingis for a three. <laughs> and it's so good. Is that your Clyde Frazier impression? Yeah. You're just like a foppish British man. He kind of just talks like a jazz radio DJ. He sounds like a you come into a, like a desert clearing and then the Sphinx wants to ask you something. That sounds like Clyde Frazier. But he also has some funny things that he says in place of words. So instead of calling any player a rookie, he always calls them a neophyte 100% of the time. <laughs> He'd be like, oh, that's some great moving and grooving by the neophyte. Pozingus when he was a rookie. <laughs> so always calls him the neophyte. He also has an inclination to say the word precocious a lot rather than saying confusing or something. If a rookie makes a mistake, he'd be like, precocious decision by the neophyte on that one. <laughs> You're moving into Yoda now, which I also appreciate. <laughs> it's it's hard to do an impression of him because he's just like, he sounds so cool. Also, neophyte is my second favorite word for someone who's doing something for the first time. Next to? My first favorite is young blood. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yes. Another great thing before I move on is that he has some calls particularly for individual players. And there is one player who used to be good and now just injures people named Zaza Pachulia. He's never been on the Knicks and he usually was on Western Conference team. So they would only play the Knicks at home once. So this would happen one time a year. And there's a great clip where Zaza Pachulia makes a left-handed layup and he says, rises with the left hand Pachulia ain't that peculiar, which you know he thought of like weeks in advance. It was like, God damn it. I hope Zaza Pachulia scores a fucking basket this game. <laughs> I need to see his notebook where he writes He just down has all of these things. Yeah, he's got been the columns offense defense <laughs> so yeah he does have that wine restaurant which is called posting and toasting and i believe most things on the menu also rhyme <laughs> we're gonna have to go we have, I guess to. We have to it's go. in new york we'll, we'll have to go so that is the third best the second best is just an iconic one the man is not great so we won't talk on him a lot but the catchphrase is iconic it's marv albert who just has the iconic yes which yeah. is very popular and marv albert has done some shady things and now he's falling apart as a broadcaster like not doing well i don't want to say mentally but it's just like he you can tell he's very old and he's not all there anymore so he messes up things where someone will shoot a shot from very much inside the three-point line it'll be like three-pointer from steph curry it's like no it wasn't marv he was on the foul line so marv not doing so hot but 
his yes catchphrase. It's very well known and very popular. My favorite aspect of it, though, is that the first quarter yes is very different from a second quarter yes, which is very different from a third quarter yes, which is very different from a fourth quarter yes, which is very different from a game-winning, very important shot yes. Because in the first quarter, it would be like, Steph Curry for three, yes. And then the fourth quarter, <laughs> if he makes an important thing, it'd be like, Curry for three, yes. And it's uh the range at which he can just say one word is very impressive. <laughs> so let's move on to the number one best catchphrase. It is one of the most iconic, if not the most iconic, and it is from my other broadcaster, Mike Breen, who says bang when people make important shots. And mm, probably one. the most famous one of this happened two years ago with the Steph Curry game-winning super deep three-pointer against the Oklahoma City Thunder, where it was so good that Mike Breen said bang twice. And <laughs> like Steph Curry dribbled down, makes his thing. And it's like, it's like the Warriors have a timeout. They choose not to use it. Curry for three. Bang! Bang! But much like the yes, he's got different levels of bang. And the ultimate bang is where he screams at the top of his lungs. The super ultimate bang is when he has to scream it at the top of his lungs twice because it's that impressive. But he's just a great broadcaster in general. He's very objective. He knows his stuff. He very much plays to the emphasis of the game. So if the game's really excited, he'll be really excited. If the game is a blowout, he'll be more relaxed and funny. And the bang is just one of those beautiful things that caps off some of these amazing shots. And it's not obtrusive. It doesn't stand out. It's not long. It's nice, short, sweet, simple. It doesn't overpower. It just sounds really cool when someone makes a big three-pointer, which is when he usually says it. When someone makes a big three-pointer or an important shot or whatever, and you just hear a nice resounding bang after, it's great. And I'm very glad that he gets to say that a lot for my New York Knicks when he's not doing an ESPN nationally broadcasted game. Bang! Yeah. I'm going to say that when you finish doing one of our segments. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm going to say boom goes the dynamite. And boom goes about? the dynamite. So yes, that is the three best and the three worst NBA broadcaster catchphrases. Very good. Very good. You know, if we were talking about SportsCenter, I guess any sort of announcer with catchphrases. Oh, there'd be so many good ones. I know. I was waiting for you to say Stuart Scott. But those are different. Those are replays. They aren't live, which all of these are. Maybe a three on three for another time. Good. I have this list of Stuart Scott catchphrases mm -hmm. that I wanted to say, but I'll keep them for another time. Yes, let's do that. So that is the end of this three on three. And that is the end of this episode of Horse. But Eric, thanks for coming along and talking to me about some fun stuff. Hey, Mike. The dynamite's got a boom. You know, all the world is just a dynamite, and we are merely the boom that must go it. That's <laughs> William Shakespeare yes! said that. <laughs> yes! Bang! <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse. Horse is hosted by Mike Schubert and Eric Silver. It is edited and mixed by Eric Silver. The social media is run by Mike Schubert. Theme song by Bettina Campomanes. Art by Allison Wakeman. And website by Kelly Beckman. Ooh, these credits are cool as the other side of the pillow. Nice. You can find us on the internet. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Horse Hoops. And you can find us on Twitter at Horse underscore Hoops. And as we say every single episode, it's because Horse Hoops was banned. If you want some bonus content, you can go to patreon.com slash horsehoops. We've got bonus audio. We do five on five instead of three on three. We now have stickers. Lots of good stuff there. We'll be doing streams of me and Eric playing NBA Jam against each other. Bonus content all lives at patreon.com slash horsehoops. And also, if you want any more information about anything we talked about, some other articles, pictures, anything to make listening more make more sense, you can go to horsehoops.com. Hey, do you know why they call Multitude Butter? Because they are on a roll. Multitude is the audio collective that we are a part of. We are proud people loving audio and want to share that with you. It is horse, it is potterless, it is join the party, it is spirits, and it is waystation. If you want to find out about the shows that we make, or you are making a show and you want our help, head on over to multitude.productions and ch -ch 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 check it out. So as we wrap up every episode of Horse, we stick our hands and we count to three. Eric, you told me you have something, so we're putting our hands in. I do. What are we going to say? I probably can guess it. On three, we say, boom goes the dynamite. Of course we do. So, <gasps> one, two, two. Three. Boom, Boom goes, goes the, the dynamite. dynamite. Nice. Thank you, Brian. I hope he's doing well. I bet he's an actuary somewhere. <laughs>